What is up, Combo Nation? We are here and welcome to episode, you guessed it, 514. Don't forget to rate, review, and punch down on that subscribe button wherever you tune into the show. This episode is a recording from the B-Ball Breakdown live show with Coach Nick and myself. We recorded this one on Thursday, the James Harden situation. After the dust has settled with the trades, who has the better team, the Celtics or the Bucks, and much more. Fantastic conversation with Coach Nick. Go subscribe to Beatball Breakdown on YouTube. And shouts to Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform in North America. It's the easiest and most exciting way to play DFS. That's right, daily fantasy sports. It's just you against the numbers instead of battling. Thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. Prize Picks offers promotions that can lead to big payouts like Taco Tuesday. <laughs> Each Tuesday, Prize Picks discounts select player projections up to 25% to provide even more value. Prize Picks now offers Apple Pay for quick and easy deposits into your account this football season go to prize picks and use code combo for a first deposit match up to $100 go to prize picks and use code combo that's right I said it one more time for a first deposit match up to $100 also I'll leave a link in the description for that let's get into it Hey, sports fans, Coach Nick here, and welcome to the B-Ball Breakdown live show coming at you on a Thursday morning or afternoon, depending on where you are in the world. Uh, as always, I'm joined by Andrew Combo Salop to discuss the latest and greatest in the NBA. Lots to talk about. We did talk a lot about Dame last time, and we have a new trade that dropped on Sunday morning uh, a few days ago with Drew Holiday going to the Celtics. So we have a lot to talk about. Don't forget, if you want your question answered, the best way to do that is via Super Chat over on the YouTube side. So, Combo, what's happening today? Had a good workout. Feeling good. You know what I was thinking about today, Coach Nick? That one time when you posted that video where you were lighting everybody on fire with the tweets. I think I think we got to uh, bring that energy this year. Uh, I mean, you're describing every tweet, right? <laughs> no, you had like you had like everybody's tweets like popping up on the screen. And telling people how they were wrong, and oh. like you just you just did not care. I, I think that's the energy we need this year. All right, you want to come come with it, bring it. Yeah, I'm right. I'm we're coming for everybody. All right, let's go. I'm coach. trying to be a lot more civil on Twitter. Uh, nah, 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 nah. Let's 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 not let's not be civil. Right. In, in the face of what is not very civil anymore on Twitter, I would feel like I you know want to you know. Oh, try you're try oh, you're trying to tip the scale the other way a little bit. I see. You know, I don't know, but what what's up, Martin? Good to see you out there. What's up, Frosty? <laughs> Doc D Rock, we got people in the uh, comments already ready to go in a in a nice uh, you know middle of the day chat. So let's see what we come up with here. Um, I think we should let's kick this off. You might even have some breaking news for us. Is that would that be safe to say? It's not breaking news because I think it's been out there, but there is an interesting wrinkle with the James Harden situation that I don't think him and Ubre are the coolest. Um, I don't think they're the friendliest. Because, and this is not breaking news, even though, you know, you tweeted it's breaking news and maybe that'll bring people to the chat, which is always good, you know? So, um, so James Harden wants to a party. He had his girlfriend there or, you know, a girl he was dealing with. 
Kelly Oubre, who happens to be from the Houston area, was at the party. Kelly Oubre leaves with James Harden's girl, and James Harden was not happy about that. Kelly Oubre is now married to that girl with two kids. And I think Daryl Morey may or may not know. He may have knew about this when he signed Kelly Oubre. Um, so I think this situation is getting really ugly over there with the Sixers. I mean, and I don't, I, I don't think it's going to get better. All right. All I can say is love works in mysterious ways, Combo. Um, and that's good reporting, I guess. I mean, it seems like uh, that might be a known thing. Uh, and listen, Kelly is, a I would imagine, a pretty easy guy to get along with. Uh, I know him a little bit and seems like a just a fun, you know, uh, carefree kind of guy uh, who has been on the cusp of, you know, being able to be a really good contributor on an NBA team for, you know, his whole career, but never quite figuring it out, never quite finding that home. Uh, it sounds like perhaps this is not going to be the place uh, for him to find that home. But um, I, I kept having images. You probably are too young to remember The Fish That Saved Pittsburgh, which is a great movie about basketball and Dr. Dr. J. Dr. J, yeah. Uh, but in the beginning, there's a malcontent, a guy who's unhappy, doesn't want to be there, and he writes, trade me across his belly, and then he's lifting up his jersey as he's running down the court saying, trade me. Uh, so I'm picturing that. Uh, that said, there are some reports that uh, Harden did come into camp in shape you know, which is a little bit of a difference for him, I think. Yeah, I mean, that always helps. He didn't pull the Houston Rockets situation, so that is a plus. But, you know, I think he knows for him now, maybe he's having a little bit of self-awareness that that's not going to help his NBA future coming into the season or coming into training camp out of shape, right? So I also heard that Houston offered him a max, and then he said he wants to get back to scoring title form, and that kind of blew up that deal. I don't know if you heard that one, so... You know, it's all over the place. Everything's crazy, and um, we have to see what develops. Yeah, I'm, I was trying to picture that meeting where um, it was Ime and Harden uh, talking about his role. And, you know, remember, Houston does have a number of, you know, young studs, you know, who could develop into something. You know, Jalen Green, I'm not quite sold on, but he can score. And so I suppose if you were reading the room, bringing up the notion of dominating the ball and scoring like he used to back in Houston – uh, doesn't really fit probably with what they were hoping. I mean, I think I'm sure they would be happy if he scored 25 a game. Look, I, game. they tried point Jabari in summer league. They got a guy named Alpern Shangoon who could probably play some point center of the Jokic mold. Not saying he's Jokic. I don't think they're trying to go back in the direction of Mori Ball at this point. Right. Uh, yes, I, and Mori Ball. With you know, it's interesting because what you're referring to, I think, is the the heliocentric Harden offense versus just threes and layups. But even still, um, yes, I think that they they probably wanted him to be a guy they can take a lot of pressure off the young guys, but also be the distributor that he's always been good at too. So, you know, um, I have a feeling there was probably some other things that went on in that conversation that made them, you know, maybe not give him a max uh, max deal. But and I don't think that's where they would be anyway. It doesn't seem like a good fit. So whether or not that story is true, uh, it was, it's a head scratcher that they would, they would really want to bring Harden into that anyway. It doesn't seem like their timelines would match. So, uh, they also got, they also got Fred Van Vliet. Like you want him to have the basketball somewhat. I mean, it just yeah. doesn't make sense to have James Harden leading the league in scoring for the Rockets right now. It's not yeah. going to help oh, your yeah. development. It may, it makes no sense at all. Yeah. So, yeah. And you know, it's funny, we've seen some interesting clips of, uh, some, some training camp coming out, uh, these days and, uh, you know, we're seeing like defensive slides. We're seeing running sprints across the court, you know, straight up and down. Um, I mean, you know, for anybody wondering, um, you know, running uh, in a straight line back and forth at a predetermined distance uh, has nothing to do with the game of basketball. 
I thought totally we agree. figured that one out, even at that level, and certainly at that level where, um, you know, if you want to get cardio or you want them to have accountability, then there are a host of other things you could be doing that are running with uh, skill development at the same time, even at that level. So uh, even, even team development, like you could get conditioning while running through your stuff. Hey, how about just like a trust fall? Like I, I would take that over uh, running those su su suicides or whatever. What do they call it? 17s? Um, I mean, you know, if we're lucky, we're not going to see any like three man weave going on out there. And if you haven't grasped like what the the modern game tends to talk a lot about, you know, threes and layups and, and space and all that stuff. But it really also is sort of moving away from a lot of those drills that we did for so long that were not game like they did not prepare your players for, you know, to, to actually compete and actually produce. Um, and the best way to learn about that would be uh, my dear friend, Brian McCormick had written, I think it's four volumes now of fake fundamentals. That's the name of the book of the book series. And in there, it details all of these things that we used to do. Uh, you know, I remember at one point I talked about this up the other day, remember when Derek Fisher took over the Knicks and he was teaching the triangle offense in 2010, 2011, whatever that was. And he had them passing back and forth that chess passes and then bounce passes, you know, and everyone was marveling at, look, he's getting this NBA team to do this. But and then you realize you look in these games that nobody ever throws a chess pass, you know, straight across like that with two hands. And you unless you just want unless you just want to throw it to the defense. Right. You know, and um, and so you, what were you really doing now? There, I will throw this out there that when you see if you can get a bunch of pros to like do a jump stop pivot and pass that kind of knows you're getting some buy-in at the very least, you know, that they are willing to do what you're asking them to do, whatever it might be. But, you know, you're kind of just wasting time in the practice doing all that stuff. And you see that at the NBA level a lot, um, unfortunately. Uh, it, it'll take, I guess, somebody else uh, with a little bit more of an out-of-box, uh, you know, mindset to to finally get away from all of those things that are really just kind of wasting time and just sort of what we've been doing for 100 years before that. You need a certain amount of conditioning, but then there's a point of diminishing return when you're just continually running around the court with no basketball. Yeah. Um, and I loved your quote that you tweeted out about Rick Majerus, you know, how he like he wanted to implement more skill development into the practice because if you have better players, you have a better team. And I've been I believe this since the beginning of time, like since I was playing in college overseas, they actually do a better job of this like implementing the conditioning with the team and skill development. And this uh, to fill that out a little bit, like there was a mindset for a long, long time where the coach would say, well, I don't have time to be working on individual skills with these guys. I got to do my offense, my defense, my press, all these different things. We got to work on that. But then when you, if you ask them the question of, well, what good is all that offense if they can't shoot or they can't dribble or they don't know how to pass out of those situations? It's like that's the development so important. And, uh, you know, every year that goes by, I implement more and more of that and less and less of the offensive stuff, because, again, uh, it, it doesn't necessarily matter if you have this amazing offense that they can't finish. Um, it also goes for defense, diminishing returns, like you mentioned. Um, you know, you have coaches that spend, you know, more than half of their practice on defense, screaming, yelling, making them all these different things. And you know what? The, you still get breakdowns and the other team still scores 25, 30 times a game. So at some mm -hmm. point, and then it, a lot of times those offenses suck. Those those coaches have the offense, excuse my language. Um, and it's like maybe the diminishing returns is there and you have to stop teaching so much defense because you have to realize they're going to score anyway. They're going to make that mistake no matter if you spend an hour on it or if you spend 40 minutes on it. But on the other side, if you're working on your offenses uh, development better, then you'll be a better team overall.
the defensive thing is like I agree with you that they're going to score, but like what the Heat do such a good job of when they focus on defense is be able to get those stops in certain moments. That's where the defense really matters, right? Like, can we lock in and get this stop at a certain moment? But definitely, I mean, we we've said it before. Like, offense just matters more than defense. There's no way around it. Oh, and, and that's true too. But again, I think my point would be if you have purpose and if you know how to teach defense, you can get in there and do it and get it done. Uh, without having to take half of your practice. I mean, I think that's the other issue. So I'd love to be, you know, I'll have to figure out if I can ever get into a, a heat practice and, and observe because I would love to see how they do that. Now, that said, like if you watch the Warriors practice, they always get their, uh, uh, you know, 20, 25, 30 minutes of defensive uh, rotations in every practice, even if they only have a 45-minute practice. They're going to do their uh, their defensive stuff, which is great, and explained why, uh, at least up until last year, which I hadn't seen a practice, uh, explain why they were always so good defensively and always so on point with their rotations is because they always worked on that every practice, no matter how long or short it was. Uh, but that doesn't, it's not the case with a lot of other, um, you know, NBA teams. So, and then, you know, that just trickles down because coaches will want to emulate and they'll look and they'll listen to what the NBA coaches are doing. So it's, it's interesting. It's funny. I actually had a chance to go to a practice uh, of a player that I coached about 20 years ago, maybe more than 20 years ago. Hadn't really seen him since then, but it was really amazing uh, to be able to do that and see him, you know, sort of carrying on like the, the legacy. The only thing that was interesting was he was kind of coaching exactly the way we coached him 20 years ago. And he was excited about that. He was like, yeah, but I'm like, well, that is good, but we've learned so much now. And he, thank God he seemed really, really receptive. So it, he'll be able to to evolve into something different from there. But, you know, it just shows you that like a lot of coaches, a lot of levels, um, you know, th there's a lot more to be learned and, and evolve into as far as communication methods and just sort of training methods as well. You know, three man weave is again, there, there's nothing about three man weave that kind of gives you any basketball stuff. I know you want to be running and passing, but again, let's do that in the context of like what actually happens in a game. Yeah, you have to understand the spirit of the times. Robert Greene talks about this in the book, Human Nature. And if you don't understand that, you will just become outdated. So it's important to always learn while keeping your old school principles, your foundations. But we also have to evolve and get better. And with accumulated knowledge over the time, you know, things will just get better and better. And it's the same for basketball. I believe every generation gets better because of this. So, OK, well, let's get into uh, the trade for Drew to the Celtics. I dropped the video yesterday. Please go watch it if you haven't already or watch it again if, <laughs> if you've seen it. Uh, I would love to, uh, to see that get uh, get going a little bit farther, like the one that Dame did, because Dame, everyone really was into the Dame one. Um, let's see, the first impressions. Let's throw it out there. Uh, Drew to the Celtics seemed like a necessary thing. They had lost Marcus Smart. They had lost Mar uh, Malcolm Brogdon, uh, which is really too bad because I thought Malcolm Brogdon fit in perfectly. And he's coming off the bench. He was scorched all season long. Now, it turns out he got hurt. Um, you know, he was playing pretty hurt in the playoffs, which explains why he didn't look like himself, unfortunately. And that's what everyone remembers the most. But if you look through the footage during the regular season uh, when he was when he was not hurt, uh, Brogdon was terrific. So they lost a lot of production from those two guys. Um, and now they're down. You know, they lost both Williams brothers, uh, not Williams brothers, Williams people, the last name, last name. And um, they had a lot to replace. So Drew does a little bit on both ends for them. He, he replaces some defense, replaces some offense, uh, much needed. But um, I have some, I have some, some doubts about all this. What's your initial uh, thought of it? I agree with you on the doubts, and I'll tell you why a little bit later. But Malcolm Brogdon, super high on him as a player, but he was put into a trade package, and after that, he realized he was in a trade package and he wanted to leave. 
So right. that's why he didn't want to be there. So that was never going to work at that point. Um, like we kind of, yes, but doesn't Brogdon, shouldn't he know like this is like, this is the business and we'll talk about it with Drew in should, a second. Sh shouldn't he know everybody's different? Like maybe he's just built that way. You know, maybe Tyler will, will handle it better with the heat, right? Like maybe he'll have a great season. Maybe right. he won't because of it. Like, well, Jalen Brown already went through it too. We knew about that where he was unhappy, but then they extended him. So now he's not so unhappy, right? It's amazing what a bunch of money will do to you. Uh, wait, remind me, was he was mad at the Brogdon was mad about uh, potentially being traded to Portland? And yeah, it, I don't know if it was Portland, but I know the trade was almost done. Like he was in the trade and then something happened where like the trade didn't go through. Like it's not like it was like they were kind of shopping him around a little bit. Like he was, he was gone pretty much. Right. Yeah. Maybe somebody in the comments will know. Right. Maybe All they right. can help us with that. Okay. Uh, because, yeah. Oh, that was the Clippers. Uh, it was Clippers. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So, again, like, hey, L who everybody wants to be in L.A., but, uh, you know, it, that, it's just as weird. I, I would have thought that Brogdon, as a as a, a real veteran professional, wouldn't have necessarily made it been so upset that he's like, oh, I have to go now. I don't know. To your point, I mean, he has a better chance of winning a championship with the Celtics than with Portland. Like, why wouldn't he want to see with the Celtics? Like, don't you want to win a championship at the end of the day? Isn't that what it's all about? I think you got to take your emotions out of it at some point. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, just uh, parenthetically, we noticed uh, that Ivy Galaxy talked about Middleton in the comments. And, and don't forget, if you want your question asked, we'll, uh, you know, Super Chat's the way to go. We'll put you on the screen. We'll give you all lots of love. Help us keep the lights on. Um, and he's talking about Middleton, Middleton being washed. And that is certainly a take. Um, you know, because he didn't, he played 33 games last year and really struggled to get a healthy, but, uh, there's some interesting responses today or yesterday from, uh, media, uh, interviews with, um, Adrian Griffin about, you know, whether or not Middleton is healthy because he wasn't playing, he didn't practice yesterday. Uh, and that mm -hmm. is something to keep your eye on. And the, and his answers were very much like, uh, you know, rehearsed, uh, he's, he's, he's doing well, he's on his way, yada, yada. We're just being cautious, this and that. But, uh, you know, it, it, you would imagine at this point, uh, Middleton would have had the whole offseason to get healthy. Um, and if he's not ready to go right now, then what's the story? And we probably need a little bit more information. I think it's tough to call somebody wash after one season that they were injured. I mean, they not too long ago. So mm -hmm. I, I think that would be a little premature to call Middleton washed. Now, if he's not healthy, that definitely dampers the, dampens their chances to win a championship. But in full health, in full health, I believe the Bucs are clearly the better team than the Celtics. Well, let's Even talk about the Celtics starting lineup for a second because that's an interesting uh, discussion. So we have um, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, um, Drew Holiday, uh, Chris Saps-Porzingis, and then we have a choice between either Al Horford or Derek White. What are they going to go with? I think you go. I think you go Derek White off the bench. Yeah. Well, okay, so then you're talking about Drew Holiday being like the point guard and Jalen Brown being um, the shooting guard, and then it makes Tatum the small forward. Now, I know th these positions are sort of uh, interchangeable these days and don't really mean as much as they used to, but it always kind of felt to me that the the uh, the best advantage the Celtics had were when Tatum was playing the four, and he is not doing that. I got to pull the numbers out. I, as far as I remember last year when I looked at this, uh, that was when their lineups were at their best. And maybe while you're talking, I'll, I'll pull some things up uh, from last year. But, you know, if you want to start out that way with Tatum with a three, and then you have Horford and KP, uh, you certainly have spacing, right? Because both the big men are going to be able to shoot threes pretty well. 
So that's not an issue as much, but then, um, but then you have, you know, different people guarding uh, Tatum and that might be a, an issue. Yeah. Defensively. I like it, especially from the point of attack defense with drew, like they're menacing, right? Drew and the two J's, but on offense, I don't think I like this as much. And I do think drew helps almost any NBA team. I discussed this on our last show. Like he's just a winning basketball player and any team should be glad to have him. But I do think what the Celtics needed specifically was somebody who could really manage the game and not saying Drew can't do that. And in fairness, there isn't a lot of players who are pure point guards anymore. I don't think his biggest strength is game managing. And that's what the two J's really need. Like I thought the CP3 fit, as much as we talked about that, it wasn't a great fit with Draymond. I thought it would be a great fit with the two J's. So it'll be interesting to see how this team looks on offense. But as of right now, if both teams are in full health, I would definitely have the Bucks clearly ahead. Yeah. I mean, and this goes back to the Warriors. I think that they were just too hasty in making that deal to get rid of uh, Poole and then bringing in CP3. If I want to hear, but I want, I want to, one, sorry to cut you off, Coach Dick. I want to hear your thoughts on that, though. Like, is Drew like that game manager that could really set things up yeah. for the two J's? Because I think that's what they were lacking. Like, not really. No. I mean, he's just solid. He can make uh, the passes in front of him. Uh, although it's funny, I was watching a lot of the assists, and they're all like, you know, the one pass away and the guy they suck at defense, and that's all easy, and that's good. And he, he led the team in assists, and that was that was pretty good. But, um, you know, and then I actually did find uh, some evidence where he was skipping balls to the corners, which is nice, and he was and among the top players in uh, setting up guys for three-point shots. So he was getting a lot of assists for threes, which is a really high, high commodity. Um, but that said, he was also a turnover machine. He was ranked, uh, I think, 11th, uh, excluding centers in the half court uh, when, you're, when you're factoring overall turnover percentage. Uh, and then I thought, OK, it's probably because, you know, uh, Chris Middleton was out and he was he had to do a lot more. Well, that percentage is almost the same the year before when Middleton did play a lot. So uh, there is this weird and I, I had never really noticed before. I had to you know, ask my buddy uh, Frank Madden, who covers the, the Bucks about it. I'm like, is this a thing where? Drew Holiday is a turnover machine, and apparently, like, yeah, there was a thing. Like, it did never really bubbled up in my mind watching them like that. But the numbers don't lie on that one, um, and it's not necessarily a noisy stat. It simply is a thing where he has an issue with that to some degree. Um, and I know he gets a lot of assists, so he balances the assist to turnover ratio. But when you're talking about a guy that needs to kind of set the table up for those guys, um, he's probably going to end up being in, that, in the offense a lot more of a complimentary guy, playing off of uh, Tatum and Brown. Uh, and then the question is, Does did Brown fix his dribbling? Did you see that video of him dribbling in place with the left hand yesterday? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, my my son, well, not yet, he's four, but my son will be able to do that soon. What does that mean? I, I don't know what it means, but it was like, I think it, I think people would have felt a lot better if he was dribbling really hard with his left hand and it wouldn't, he didn't lose control of it. Oh, okay, I didn't see it, I didn't see it. That was yeah. It was nothing, he was standing still watching the thing and just kind of dribbling hard and he lost control of it a couple of times. I, but, but I don't and know. I, I, and I love Jalen's game. It's interesting. Also, another thing is, like, I just believe in Giannis and Dame more than Jason Tatum in the playoffs. Like, those would be my first two picks if we were picking between those three. So, it's like, in my opinion, they have the two best playoff series, the two best playoff players in a series if those two guys match up. Right. I mean, that's going to be devastating, I think, for the Celtics. And I don't really see a scenario where, in full health, the Celtics would beat them. That's that's just how I look at it. Um, well, yeah. The, the, the bigger reason then is okay. Let's just pretend that like Derek White's coming off the bench, and so all you have off the bench then would be, you know, uh, who else? You have basically like I, I think I mentioned it for the Celtics. They're going to have to have like 
you know, Lamar Stevens and O'Shea Brissett are going to get in the, uh, some run. You already have Peyton Pritchard, who has, you know, really struggled to kind of get a role going, even though I think both of you and I have liked what he's done and probably deserves a better chance uh, to see what he can do there. You know, Hauser also showed some things uh, as well mm-hmm. off the bench, but like, I don't know if that's going to be their their answer. Svi Mikhailuk is also there. Like, there's been moments where he's looked good. Um, but again, kind of all these guys are unproven. Wenyan Gabriel, by the way, might be unknown to a lot of people. He did play for the Lakers last year. And, you know, again, it's a little bit hard because so, certain players, not everybody, but certain players could tend to look better at playing alongside guys like LeBron and Anthony Davis. So Wenyan might be that guy, but he also was making some plays that they might need, like as a, as a you know, third big man off the bench that could be actually be important and then play some defense without getting into foul trouble. Uh, and then Luke Cornett. But uh, again, those are not names that are going to strike fear in, in anybody they're going to play against. So I don't know how you're going to be able to manage for a whole season into the playoffs with uh, that short of a rotation of serious production from you know, production players. Uh, it's confusing to me. So who do you have? Like between the Bucks and the Celtics, and are those your two favorites in the East? Well, and by the way, I do like the fact that they do have Drew to guard Dame. That that's that's helpful for them. True, uh, true. And, um, and remember, remember, New Orleans did to play devil's advocate on my own opinion. Drew did beat the Blazers with Anthony Davis. You know, back of, it, it was a few years back already, but you know, he he kind of did a good job on Dame. Yeah. I, you know, I forgot about that. I got to go look yeah. at that. I was looking at um, at Drew on the Bucks uh, guarding Dame, and there's some, you know, there's some footage of that that's pretty good as well. So, you know, listen, Drew is is the last of the lockdown, you know, defenders. You know, there's, there's there really isn't aren't anybody anymore like that. But he is as close as we're going to see to to what that looks like these days. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we're going to talk about the Celtics, though, or, or the Bucks, like, are the Bucks any deeper? Yeah, that's a good question. Who has the better bench? You know, so uh, who's coming off the the Bucks bench? It's it's Portis still. Well, let's let's talk about that for a second because I, I I'm not sure I even pulled this apart just yet. Do we that? Got, do they do they have both Lopez brothers now? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, wasn't wasn't he on the team last year too? Wasn't uh, um, Robin on the team last year? I don't even remember. But anyway, so they have both Lopez brothers. And by the way, I, you know, Robin Lopez, I don't think you know helps them much except for keeping the locker room loose, but. Uh, let's talk about the what we have for the starters. So you're going to have Giannis, Middleton, um, uh, Dame. What else we have here? Jay Crowder. Yeah, he, I mean, he he, he should have been playing last year. Jay Crowder. He's the he's the guy that will bring that team. You know, right. I, I think he, I said Connaughton was going to start instead of Crowder, right? But, yeah, you did. I, I kind of like I like I kind of like Crowder better. All right, let's just say let's say that. So you have off the bench Connaughton, Portis. Uh, they have Malik Beasley and, um, you know, can oh, they signed campaign the other day. Uh, Actually, the campaign campaign could have helped the Celtics, to be honest. That's who the Celtics should have as a backup point guard or even somebody that could play in the backcourt with Drew and then have yeah. Jason Tatum at the four. You yeah, know, he would have helped them. So I think if you're going like campaign, Bobby Portis, Connaughton, um, you know, Beasley, like, OK. They, you probably ought to give them uh, the benefit of the doubt on that one as far as de- depth. So if that's the case, then, yeah, you probably have to go with the Bucs uh, in that in that stretch, and so, unless the Celtics do something else. Now, I haven't really heard anything, but I'm assuming the Celtics heard on the Clippers or whatever. How about late Lakers? The Lakers, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, because the Lakers need – wait, do they get a back, uh, another big man? I mean, it, yeah. Um, wait. They did. Oh, Christian Wood. 
Oh, they got Christian Wood, so never mind. Yeah, but um, yeah, like who would you rather have, Christian Wood or uh, Al Horford? Like, I mean, it is interesting. I mean, Christian Wood's obviously more offensively talented, but Al Horford has way more playoff experience, and he's the better yeah. three-point shooter. So I Did guess I would like, say yeah. Al Horford. You know, uh, yeah, you probably Al Horford probably fits a little bit better on that team. Again, Al Horford's the guy who can make a, a big difference. He can play defense. He can shoot the three, even though it's you know that's not pleasant watching the mechanics, but he can make it. Um, you know, just, a, win- really just a winning, just, just a winning player. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, you know, and maybe um, Christian Wood can can kind of get figure that out. He hasn't, you know, been able to fit in with his teams uh, that he's been on, and it's really too bad because he is that talented. And we just saw. You know, some somebody making a connection between, uh, um, oh my God, Jalen Green on the Rockets, like complaining about he was complaining about somebody last year not being a good veteran, and and then I think they were putting the dots together, and he was talking about um, um, Chris Wood. So, well, Chris, uh, but Chris Chris Wood was on the Mavs last year. Uh, I guess he was talking about maybe the year before then when he was. With oh, the, okay, okay. Yeah, but wasn't it was was he with Rock, the the Rockets in the beginning, and then went to the Mavs in the middle of the year? I think he spent the whole. Are you year trying to, that. you know, make make me have to like dig through my brain better? Um, but I'll just check real quick while we're here. Um, I did also well, want to check that lineup. If with I, if I know right. the fact, he played the whole season in Dallas. Okay. So, uh, and by the way, the Nuggets. No one's talking about the Nuggets except for the Lakers. <laughs> no no media. I don't hear anything about the Nuggets. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think they're the favorites again, even with the loss of Bruce Brown. Right. And, well, and, Jokic, yeah. and, and Jokic not touching a basketball. Right. But, you know, Chris, Chris, Christian Brown, you know, should be able to assume a bigger role. They I did pick somebody up. Am I crazy? Um, the, the Nuggets? I think the two keys for the Nuggets are, as you said, Christian Brown stepping up. And then I do think Jamal Murray has to have an all-NBA type regular season mm-hmm. and continue that into the offseason. And, yeah, and become, the- become, exactly. become, become an all-star for the first time. Oh, hey, there you go. And Reggie Jackson could remind us all that he is a real – I mean, especially coming off the bench on that team, he should really play well. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing how they come back with that glow. You know how sometimes they win the championship and they have that glow and they come back, they win 68 games the next year and they dominate. Like that happens sometimes. So I'm interested to see if that's going to happen uh, with them. And just certainly the style of play is just really fun to watch, and that's that's important. And hopefully that continues to uh, incite more teams to do that. We just saw that Toronto, they're talking about, um, you know, running uh, Pirtle out of the high post and doing a lot of what sounds to me like well, how they how they play. Maybe they play Bam, all the get action and all the handoffs and stuff. I would That would be amazing. And I will have to see. I mean, I'm trying to look in my mind's eye about Pirtle's ability to do that. Um, and I don't know uh, how well uh, good that is, but I, I'd be very excited to see. And I think you can teach it. Yeah, it's solid. I mean, I think we're going to see a lot of um, point center things going on because as you know coach they get to copycat league so everybody tends to copy you know the best teams as we see like there's a lot of teams trying to run warriors offense and shooting a lot of threes but every team doesn't have the combination of draymond clay and steph curry and teams do not have Jokic. but we could see similar things to that like i was saying with the rockets like they're gonna try some point jabari and probably even more likely point shangun so we're it's a copycat league and we'll see more point center type stuff going on yeah, I would love it if we finally, you know, the Rockets start to, you know, try and win, you know, and they're bringing Fred Van Leed in, so that indicates something. And they just signed somebody else, which tells me that they're trying to win, actually. Somebody in the comments tell us. The Rockets? They just, uh, they, yeah, they just signed, a, like, a winning player. Like, a guy you wouldn't sign if you weren't in tank mode. Good. 
uh, it sounds familiar, but my mind is blank. I've been so busy yeah. with the other stuff. But um, yeah. And by the way, someone Michael is talking about uh, the Nuggets won't get near 68 wins, bro. And that's that's pr- also true because don't forget, let me see how many games they won last year. They won uh, 53, but the last 10 games of the year, they completely tanked those to, to rest everybody. So they were on their way to winning, you know, probably 60 games anyway. They would have probably done that. So, but again, there isn't a huge incentive. So, yeah, forget that. They won't win the 68 games. Um, but uh, you do see those teams get the glow. And then, you know, they just start dominating everybody when they're when they are healthy playing. Uh, we have our first super chat from best friend of the breakdown, Braun. Thank you so much, Braun. Uh, we love to see it. Always great to see you out here. Uh, not sure if you not sure if you caught Cam on JJ's podcast, but he's obsessing over JJ's ability to go right when shooting. Who is the best at that in today's NBA? So that's another a great uh, thing. Cam Johnson was talking about going to the right. And it was bizarre to me that JJ Reddick would have said he had never really thought of it that way when Cam was perfectly uh was perfect when describing how you have to rotate in the air to get alignment when you're going to your right as a righty player. Did you want to make a comment on that? I just wanted to note that JJ is righty because that's important to note, right? If right. you're like, if you're a lefty, this is opposite for you. Since I'm a lefty, I just wanted to point that out. Fair enough. So going to the yeah. right as a righty is always harder. Now, yeah. um, the thing with, um, you know, hit, JJ Reddick was great at it. Uh, Kyle Corver was really great at it. And those, those are really hard shots. And I, I would always share those clips on Twitter because I'm like, this is, you know, he's coming off a, a pin down full speed, left, right, going up, you know, to the to his right and then net knocking down distant shots. Um, who The question is now who is really good at going in the right? Um, I'm trying to picture who that is, but who plays like JJ now? KCP? Duncan Robinson. Duncan Robinson. Yeah, I bet you Robinson's really good. I haven't seen the numbers, but he's good at that, I'm sure. And they and he understands that without question. But the idea that, that JJ had never really thought about it that way and needing to rotate more in the air, I, it was interesting to me because you'd imagine someone like that would have broken down and understood every micro, you know, piece of the shot. Uh, but you know, there's always things to understand and learn. Meanwhile, he's teaching guys and, and training them now. So I'm hopefully he'll catch up a little bit. Who's a better off the ball shooter? I mean, Steph Curry or JJ. So Steph Curry's another guy who's who, who does it right. I mean. I, yeah. I'm not comparing. I'm not comparing Steph and Duncan and JJ, but Steph does yeah. move off the ball Steph great. Steph, yeah, there's no question. Yeah. He comes off yeah. those. I can see him. He comes off going his right on those uh, baseline out of bounds or uh, or the or, or the high, high post splits. And uh, yeah, and, and and then that means that Clay, I'm sure, is also really good at those too. Uh, we, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I can't picture Clay doing it as much uh, coming to his right like that and just letting it fly. But um, I know he he does. Yeah. How was Ray Allen at that? Um. Ray Allen, you know, his, you know, he, his, his, um, his arm swing tended to go out to his left side. So it's a little bit harder than kind of do that, you know, comfortably going to the right. So um, I would have to look at the numbers, but I I imagine he was good at that. I mean, certainly Ray Allen would have been a guy who practiced that more, which is another reason why as a writer, you got to be aware that that's a harder shot and not necessarily you practice it that much more, but it definitely needs to be focused on so you can get it um as well but then again offenses are also should be designed knowing that you know when the righties are out there you're looking for left going to the left and being able to get those pin downs so their their uh right hip and right elbow are already aligned with the basket and that's next level coaching as well when you start to really aware of that and get guys in positions where they're doing their strong hand stuff as much as they can you know what i mean yeah and it's also interesting that me as a lefty it's opposite for righties that Step backs and hezzy pulls are easier with your right hand, even though I'm a lefty. So step it would be it, to the right, it, right hand. Yeah, is easier because the because the left hand is already aligned. 
Yeah. And so it's like it's tough to get good going for a righty to the right on step backs and hezzy pulls. Yeah. But you should work on both ways. I mean, it just makes you so much more dangerous. Yeah. And we've seen a lot of like the notion of like dribbling the ball the left hand and then bring it to the right hand is better off the dribble for shooting. Um, although I feel like we're going to transcend that at some point. And what's interesting about that is, you know, we talk about and I had a video where this where we talk about dipping off a dribble from distance. And that's like the secret that everyone needs to know to shoot. Mm. Um, and but it's different with the left hand dribble to dip it versus the right. And so um, I'm almost thinking that there are times when the right hand dribble is better that because the dip works better. Um, but um, and then it also works as a, as a shot fake heavy where you cross over versus the left hand. But again, you know, the right hand comes up to it and then you can keep going. Uh, as well so there's there's different it's all little subtle differences that will help but um, either way we do know that yeah generally the left hand to the right hand shooter is a better way to, to or is a higher percentage generally but not always um anyway the uh the heat come up in the um right now in the in the con in the uh comments uh you know they lost two starters although you might argue that you know Struess wasn't really a starter on you know because you know uh hero was only it was hurt but they did lose two starters that went to the finals, uh, you know, and they didn't really replace them with anybody. So I don't see how the Heat are going to compete very well. They need to bring in James Harden. That's interesting. You think that would work? I think it's the only choice as of now. You think it would be a good idea to bring Harden to Miami? Yes. <laughs> you know what happens when he's on the road and he's you know, playing Miami, you know, Generally, isn't there a thing? I think there was like stats where he's his stats are way much lower when he gets to hang out in Miami the night before. Let's not get gossipy, Coach Nick, even though that's the way I started today. Right. <laughs> hey, it's gossipy, but it's also kind of like, um, but you know, he, um, he, he culture does a great job of containing that, I would say. Just like either you're here for the right reasons or you're not here, right? So, you think they'll have like a bodyguard or something? <laughs> I don't know if we're gonna get that extreme, but I do think, and I also another thing is, I think they would use James Harden in unique ways that you might not even think about. I mean, I would love to see Harden coming off of handoffs and all that get action. That would be great. He's I don't, I can't ever picture him doing that. Like passing the high post, cutting right back for it and all that stuff. How about, but, how yeah. about small, how about small ball four? Uh, oh, or small. Oh, that, no, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. And, and by the way, let's give Harden a lot of credit because I felt like he made a really great effort in the, um, uh, in Philly to, to exist in an offense. So no longer was he like sort of passing and just standing there, backing up to half court and waiting for the ball back, or not being involved in the offense. He was he was moving and he was you know more of a cog in that offense that he, and I had seen in a while. So he deserves credit for that, and and it would be great to see him kind of get back into more of that. But um, you know, there's no question Harden needs to get out of Philly, and there's no question Philly needs to get a nice return for him. Um, but that's the problem is that the Heat couldn't get Dame because they didn't have enough for him. Yeah. Also, another issue is is like the deal would have to be with Tyler Hero and the Sixers already have Maxi, and that's kind of like a weird mix. So it would probably have to be a three-team, multi-team deal. Yeah, but who would who are the Heat going to send out? Hero? Th that Yeah, yeah, it would have to be a three-team deal. And then to, for us oh. to like, for us to like try and guess what three-team deal would, it would take like a whole podcast to do but that. But it's not enough, right? It's not enough for Hero and like a pick, I don't think. They need to give up more than that, or, or certainly Philly needs to get more, more than what that equivalent would be back to them. So, I, I you know, again, I, that's why I don't know if the Heat yeah. had Yeah. Yeah. When there's a will, there's a way. They would have to figure it out with three teams. And to your point, like, Maury's not taking just nothing. Like, he's, right. he, 
We know what, that. Yeah, what, what hurt the Heat, I think, is a guy like Gabriel, uh, uh, Gabe Vincent leaving because if they had him and having played it as a starter in a final for a finals team, even though, you know, he, he's good. And and it, it, I think he sold me as far as his, you know, legit ability to be a starter on a good team. But was, like, his his value is as high as it's ever going to be. I was actually talking to some. I was I was actually talking to my friend uh, Mike about this in the gym yesterday. Shouts to my guy Mike. He was talk. He was telling me that he thinks Gabe Vincent is really benefited from the situation that he was in, and he might not do as well with the Lakers. I disagree. Like I think Gabe Vincent just has a winning mentality, but he believes that he had just had so much freedom in the playoffs, the kind of freedom that many players don't get because they had basically no bench. And he was going to yeah. get to do whatever he wants, and he's not going to have that same same type of freedom with the Lakers. That that is not a hot take, and it's up to Gabe Vincent to prove us all wrong. And I'd be I'd be right. delighted uh, if that happened. So we'll see. Yeah. Um, but but again, uh, if, if the Heat had been able to have him on their roster and use him and Hero, now we're talking about they can probably get the return they need, you know, of a Harden back uh, with that those two guys in the pick. Um, otherwise, I mean, you know, I don't know what else they're going to do because. Um, you know, they, they can't trade Bam. They can't trade Butler. Um, you know, uh, who else are we thinking about? Uh, you know, uh, may, I mean, okay, did um, – uh, it's funny, I forgot his name before. The twin who's uh, so who did so well, Caleb, Caleb Martin. Did Caleb Martin do himself a good service and really raise his value? Like, probably not enough because maybe he would have been the guy that the Heat were trying to push and they weren't in the – for a dame and they weren't taking it. Yeah, those type of players like Tyler Hero and – and um, gave uh, Caleb Martin, they don't really fit like well with Scoot and Shaded Sharp and Efforty Simons. You know, it's also about team needs. Like, Ayan was the perfect fit. Like, they needed a big, right? They needed a younger big. So it, it really depends on who you're trading those players to. And as I said, like, those type of players wouldn't fit well with the Sixers either. Like, because they got Maxi, who I think is their future with Embiid. So it'll be interesting to see what, what happens moving forward. But I do like... Harden in Miami. I really like that. And I think they need each other at this point. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I'm actually I'm trying to remember now. Um Struess uh went to Cleveland. Yeah. So and we no one's talked about Cleveland at all. You know, they were they were they were starting to get better and they're promising. And so um I'll have to take a, a, a deeper dive to look at what they're gonna have um going forward. But um it's an interesting it'll be an interesting it, season, I think. I think he's a good fit because they have like Good bigs and good guards, but not enough balance of those in-between wing-type sized players, you know? Yeah, so. yeah. And, you know, and they have the rim protection they need, so it's like, you know, do they need to have awesome 3 and D guys in the wings? You know, if they get beat, you know, they have some some ability to, to cover for that. But, um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm, it's a curious thing. I mean, let me remind myself last year what happened with them. So they won 51 games, uh, but they got beat, you know, pretty easily against the Knicks. The Knicks are another team, you know, and we kind of need to figure out what's going on with them. Uh, so I think this is one of the more intriguing seasons we're heading into uh, at this point, where it seems like we're getting away from a little bit of the tanking stuff or a lot of the tanking stuff, right? So some of these teams are turning, trying to turn the corner and be competitive. We have a in-season tournament uh, in the middle all of a sudden that should have should make it more interesting, I suppose. I mean, obviously that's the goal. Um, so I think this will be one of those weird times. This is a this is a strange offseason, you know, where very little happened. All of a sudden now we've had two major moves right before the season starts, which is kind of a rare time to have that happen with with Harden still on the on the books going somewhere, perhaps. Uh so I think yeah, this will be strange, I think is is a good way to describe it. Strange. That's interesting. Why do you feel that? 
you know, I just think that um, there, there's just a lot of uh, weird moving parts going on that are sort of unusual uh, this in, in this going into this season. Uh, plus, times being what they are, times are we're in a very strange time timeline. Our timeline, the uh, alternative timeline that we're in right now, is weird. Uh, we have another super chat. Thank you so much, D Rock. Thank you, thank you. Uh, Hero and Robinson for Harden and Tucker. Who says no? That's a good one, D Rock. Hero and Robinson for Harden and Tucker. So they bring back. Harden. I think I like it, but I think I think Daryl Morey says no. <laughs> okay, I like I hear it. Tucker isn't Tucker washed at this point? No, I don't, you don't think, think so. so. You don't think PJ don't Tucker think so. is is? You think he's got some left in the tank? I think he. I think he's a Heat guy. Uh, okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I certainly, you know, he, he he found this probably his most success there, but you know, I mean, last year wasn't great for him. Uh, Robinson, also, Robinson really helped himself with this past playoffs. Like he could help the Sixers. Yeah, Robinson could help the Sixers. Um, yeah, listen, Robinson, another guy. He's you know he's a legit six ten, can really shoot the ball. Uh, is you know can handle can hold his own on defense you know well enough uh, that you know to to, to balance it out. Improved so, on yeah. improved on uh, attacking closeouts. And making yeah. the right decision, but they can't afford to lose him having lost Struess. Uh, now, and and but if they're going to replace him with Tucker, you know, I don't know. Tucker is you know can only shoot from the corners pretty much and still, he, and, and he hasn't that. even yeah he hasn't even been letting that fly, which is a problem. Right? Oh, you know what? Tucker was better than I thought. He, he shot thirty nine percent from three last how, year. My memory how was many, how many how many shots a game was he taking? Two. Two threes a game, and he, you know he's playing twenty almost twenty six minutes. So you know he he wasn't getting a lot there. I mean he kind of got lost. I think uh, you know in, in, is an impact player uh, that way. Now I'm just kind of curious. Per thirty six the year before in Miami, um, he was averaging yeah he he took three and a half threes per game per uh, sorry per thirty six in Miami in twenty one twenty two, and that went down almost a whole shot per thirty six the next year. He you know that offense in, in Philly didn't run. The same way didn't move the same way and find him open in that way so that's uh that made him less effective so you know the question now is how nick nurse you know adjusts that offense it gets him to run it and does joel Embiid buy in and will he will he help you know run that offense properly and you know once they get rid of i guess Harden is Harden getting traded before the season starts yes okay I don't know. I don't know. It seems like it's, you know, you're talking about a three-team trade, perhaps, if it's like with Miami or whatever, and those are hard. Those those, those are hard to get done. Um, I also and- think this would be good because you're, you're um, bringing in Hero to the Sixers, right, and Harden to Miami, and both those players probably aren't happy where they're at right now. Hero because of the trade conversations and Harden because of all of the obvious reasons we discussed, but you kind of like maximize their honeymoon periods, especially for Harden. Right. I mean, I'm trying to figure out, let's say, when's the first season, the first game, Twenty, the 24th? Um, or is that late? Let's see. I feel like it's before the 24th. That's what it looks like in the Google search. Yeah, looks like the 24th. So, you know, you have basically 19 days to make that trade happen. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, but, you know, I don't know. I just I just worry. Let's see. I mean, certainly Miami, Miami would take um, Harden and Tucker. They would probably like that. Uh, and it, the only issue I have with the hero and Robinson would be like, does Philly want it? Now you're right. Philly would take Robinson. He, he fits in well. And, you know, hero, I don't know without Harden okay. in there and they have Maxi like this hero fit in. Probably, you know, I guess he does. He's not starting on that team. Is he, Mm-mm. is it hero? 
Now nah, Maxi has to Maxi has to start it. Maybe you just bring Hero off the bench. Maybe there is enough balance at that yeah. point, you know. And then we've already known that Hero, you know, doesn't want to come off the bench. Could you do Hero and Maxi on the Sixers as in the starting backcourt? Too small for the playoffs, I think. Maybe, maybe. Um, and I don't know if it, if that if that works. I mean, they're actually. I mean, Hero's not even that small, but just defensively, it won't be enough. I think right. to actually win. Right. I mean, you know, that would be it's a Tobias. Uh, who are we missing then? Oh, so it'd be Robinson. Robinson would start, I guess, right? And that's another guy who's not, he's not a horrible defender, but he's not a great defender either. No, right. He's, he's just like fine. He's not making yeah. plays. Right, right. I hate it when B-ball ref does that. Um, you know, B-ball ref suddenly just starts. Did you, I don't know, did you even hear that? I don't know if you heard that. No. Yeah, I heard, I heard something. Something's yeah, going they suddenly start playing some ads anyway uh all right well i mean is there anything else we got to cover as we get close to the end of the show no i think that's about good yeah i gotta get to the gym man work it out do a little what, what do you what are you working on today so here's my favorite thing i've been doing now is the decline bench you know we, we do the sit-ups in so mm-hmm. um i've been in that and then uh getting you know 35 pound weights in my hands and then uh doing uh chest press so mm-hmm. i'm already engaging my core to stay level in, on that you know decline bench and now I'm doing my chest press and I do my flies and then I do sit-ups and, uh, and then uh, obliques. So I've been doing that, but it, my back is not so happy with that. I'm trying to muscle my way through my back problems. I don't know if it's oh, good. I believe that maybe you should be spending more time on your posterior chain if you're having back issues because maybe you're doing too much pushing and not enough pulling. I know. And that you are right. Uh, it's just hard. I, I, I'm in a, I got a gym around the corner. It's not, it's inexpensive. So that's really nice. And it's really close, but the machine uh, uh, choices are not always great. And if you don't pick the right time, man, you're not getting on it. So throw some rows in there, throw some lat pull downs on there. Also a great thing for your back is just hanging and it's great for your grip oh, yeah. strength as well. Yeah. I do the hanging in my house on the way, but it's hard because I do it from like where my stairs are and it's some days my grip isn't great and like, I can't hold on. So you're right. I'll do some hanging. The lat pull downs I can do with, with support, you know, where you put your feet on the thing so I can do it, not my full weight. But uh, I was watching some some guys doing like the pull up challenge, and I'm not sure how I, I don't know if I could do a pull up at this point. So oh, I probably really? work on that. Uh, yeah, you should. You should, you should. What'd you say? Are you doing pull ups every day? Oh, what what's your grip when you're doing your pull up? Well, I, I mix it up, but I do basic grip the most. But I mix it up. I I, I do all I do different grips. All right. Yeah. So I'm gonna start doing my lap pull downs, and then I'll I'll graduate into pull ups. So like a routine for me, I don't even count this as a workout is like after I walk my son to school, they have those like scaffoldings and I got like something I could do pull-ups here as well if they don't have that. And I, I do like three sets and oh, wow. on, my, on my way home just to make sure I do some form of pull-ups because I also believe in the morning it's great to decompress your back. Yeah, no, there's no question. Uh, I, my back uh, gets decompressed and then it's, it's it kind of uh, doesn't always feel amazing <laughs> for the first few steps after I get off of hanging, but uh, I'm, I'm hopefully progressing out of it if I can get do, it strong. Do, do you have a program you go by or just like, oh, I like these exercises and I'm going to do them today? No, I don't have a program. And I know all the exercises and I just don't do them. Yeah, I think honestly you should like Google like a good program so you're so there's more of a balance with your posterior and anterior chain and you're working all planes of motion and you're having more balance. And you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I agree. And a lot of the things are on the ground. And I gotta just tell you, it's gross. I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to put my hands on the ground. It's just, they don't, the gym is not like that. You know what I mean? That's the thing. Like you go to Equinox, it's like, yeah, it's clean. You can do whatever. But when you go to like, you know, all right, I'll call them out. Planet Fitness. Uh, they don't clean that place. It's gross. Oh, so, I guess I can do so it at we, home. Like at home. We, 
we got to take this live show to the next level so we could get you like a luxury gym. Yeah, yeah, please. That, that's what we're, yeah, please help me get into uh, Equinox or, or uh, life, Lifetime, please. That, that's what we should be doing. Uh, I don't have any problem asking for money. So I can, you, know how, you know how expensive uh, Equinox is now? It's insane. I'm, I'm a member. I, know. I used to, It used to be like maybe 120, 130 a month, whatever. I think in LA it's over 300 now. And you can't tell. Like you have to go through hoops on the website to like finally get the information. So uh, I, I, I spent I spent so much time in there. I spent so much time in there, it's worth it for me. I, yeah, you're right. You know, and by the way, I was thinking about getting the bench and doing it at home. And everyone's like, you know, you'll just won't do it. You won't do it. You gotta that's not it. true. That's not true. You will do I, it. I, and- I don't know. I think there's some truth to that about you know, it sits there and becomes a thing you put your clothes on. No, no, I work out all the time in my in my house. Right. Well, you're an exception. Yeah, that's why you're. That's why your combo. Look at that. Hey, look. I, I finally look. I finally hey! had really flat for ten years, and now I'm getting my uh, my muscle back. So I'm actually happy about that. I just wish the scale would indicate better that uh, I am progressing after a few months. But I don't believe it scales. I think they're all so off. They also all off. in every day, and that's a, a good motivator. But man. When it doesn't go the right way, having like eaten eaten like twelve hundred calories in a day and really gone well, and then the scale doesn't show that the next day, it could kind of make you depressed. And that, so I, I think I hear you. It kind of doesn't always work as what it's way it's supposed to. Okay, okay. But I, hey, I, listen, I've been eating very clean. I've been uh, virtually no sugar, no dairy, no gluten, no caffeine for uh, uh, six weeks now, and uh, you know it's 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 been helpful. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be honest with you. I love I love the sweets. I, I I I moderate, but I love the sweets, Coach Nick. But I moderate. I don't go crazy. Okay. Oh yeah. But I, do, no. but I do love them. I do love. Last them. night was the first time in like six weeks where I had such an uncontrollable urge where I needed to have something. That I did have a little bit, but um, I mean, the best thing to do probably in that situation, if you really want to get strict, is just have some fruit instead of like anything processed. Oh, know. You know? Yeah. yeah. Oh, you know what? And by the way, we missed another uh, super chat before we go. Uh, you're right. Fruit. I had a watermelon last night before that, and I forgot how good mountain watermelon was. Jesus Louise. All right, here we go. Uh, Alan Tran, thank you, thank you so much for Super Chat. I really appreciate this. Uh, this will help me get to Equinox. Uh, <laughs> hey, Coach. All-star big struggle to stay in the league after the age of 32. What makes Horford special versus guys like Aldridge, Millsap, Blake Griffin? Great question. Um, and he's right. Like, a lot of those guys kind of break down 32. And Middleton's about almost there. He's 31. And he's not, like, a big. But uh, I just thought of that. But um, why is Horford special? Well, the issue is, is that we don't know what these guys are doing in private. I mean, I mean, I don't, maybe you do. I don't know these guys personally, but that could be something to do with it. Like often what shows in, what shows in public is from what you do in private. And then also there's a degree of injury luck. Like some people just get luckier. Yeah. Well, Blake Griffin's pretty clear. He was very reckless early on with the way, first of all, his footwork was always wonky. And then he would, he would just be leaping and jumping and crashing and landing and all sorts of things. So it was pretty clear that a guy like that would get injured playing that way uh, as much as he did from his, you know, 1920s till his late, late twenties. So that's that Blake Griffin's pretty easy. He doesn't, he doesn't match the other guys. Millsap and Aldridge are probably a little bit closer in terms of how they play to Horford. Um, you know, and Horford has gone much more to a perimeter game, you know, uh, that said he is physical when he kind of wants to be, but who knows, you know, that thing he does when the, on the free throw, when it misses and he kind of, he does, goes like that, you know, that yeah, thing. What is, what is that? Maybe that's the secret. Maybe that's what keeps him healthy. I have no idea. It's <laughs> as good hilarious. as any other explanation well, we can have. Well, but, thanks. Uh, thanks Alan for the super chat and thanks Bron. We appreciate you all. It means a lot. 
absolutely. Because yeah, and again, you know, Horford, uh, yeah, he he has moved more to the perimeter, and it's been less banging. He did he did have those moments regarding Giannis in the playoffs where he was physical and really made it uh, a problem for him. Uh, but you know, th- there's there's all those moments. But yeah, th- there could very well just be a Hor- Horford is a special guy. He's a son of an NBA player, has the genes, um, and this keeps going on now. Uh, how old is Horford? He's always younger than we think he is. Right? Is he the best player from the Dominican Republic ever? Sure. Who else? Who else is from the Dominican Republic? Francisco Garcia, his father Tito. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably missing somebody. I'm probably missing. Somebody. But Horford is 36. Uh, is going to be 37 this year. Uh, I, I always think he's like 39 or 40. But yeah, so he's a little slightly younger. But he's he's pretty much finally catching up to the age we all thought he thought he was the last five years. Uh, but um, but that's you know that, that's that's a, a big part of it is certainly him being able to stay on the perimeter and spacing and not getting banging around. He doesn't like fall on the ground a lot, you know uh, that kind of thing. He doesn't take a lot of charges necessarily. Uh, you know those are all the things that kind of slowly debilitate you. You know someone was uh, lauding what Larry Bird had said about how hard he worked, and uh, and that's true. But don't forget Larry Bird was broken down by thirty two tops. Just like those guys were completely. I don't know. I mean, when I was talking to Bob Ryan on my podcast about like what Lowry was doing on the offseason, it didn't sound too intense from what I gathered. I don't know. Oh, well, yeah, but he'd be like shoveling and doing all sorts of that. Yard yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. And also, if you read his book, he was taking like 500 free throws in the morning, which is pretty yeah. crazy. Yeah, yeah I, I have a feeling. So I don't know. Ryan's going to make it seem like he didn't he didn't work out hard on the basketball. No, 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 no. So I asked him, like, what did the off-seasons look like to Bob Ryan? He wasn't, like, he was just basically saying, like, there wasn't that much information about basketball stuff. It's more like, yeah, he was hanging out drinking beers, you know? So right. I don't, I don't. everybody has their own thing, but I do know, like, you see Larry running around, and then I yeah. do know also, he. I think he injured his strong hand when he was younger, and then he worked a lot on his opposite hand, and then I also do remember he was taking 500 free throws in the morning. But it did from what I was gathering from Bob, and he didn't say he wasn't working out. It's like it didn't seem too crazy. It didn't seem like Larry was going out there for three hours a day, like ah ah ah, ah through cones and drills and doing, yeah, you know. and doing diving drills. All right. Well, yeah. either way, we we know that he broke down, uh, and a lot of it had to do with the way he played, which was you know so yeah. completely all out, and and he would ignore every minor injury and whatever. Uh, I, I'm a, I mean, listen, I love Larry Bird, love watching him play, but I his influence on me. Uh, is the reason why I have a hip replacement and have another one that's probably going to get replaced and you know this finger will never straighten and like all sorts of stuff that I never really took care of because I felt like, well, Larry Bird doesn't. I'm, I'm not. If, if I can walk, then I can play. And, um, you know, I, I think we've learned a little bit since then about how to take care of your body better. So. Larry Bird, top five all time. No question. Yeah, I, someone just had to ask me. My son actually asked me who that top five was. And so, you know, I threw Magic and Larry in there. It was like, I, at this point, I'm like, all right, let's put them in there, put Michael and LeBron and and then you can have Kareem, whoever you want, in the fifth. I, I would have that, but Wilt instead of Magic. That's just me. Wilt instead of Magic? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Listen, I can't argue with that. But what I can't argue with it, I think it's time to wrap the show up. What do you say? Yeah, let's wrap it up. All right. Well, great stuff. Thanks, everybody out there, for being part of the show. It was great questions, great everything. Uh, we'll be back again next week, so just keep your notifications on. Please watch that video from yesterday on the Drew Holiday trade. It's got some really cool stuff. I do that I do that wipe uh, edit where – you know, Giannis throws the ball to a teammate and then it, Drew catches it. You know, I love those. Everyone seems to love those. So uh, it's got the original music in there. So to, please watch it if you haven't seen it. And uh, don't forget sports fans. Don't forget sports fans. At B-Ball Breakdown, we're not a channel. We're a conversation. You in? Are you in, Combo? 
There it was, another episode of Combo's Court is in the books. Big shouts to Coach Nick. Big shouts to Beatball Breakdown. Always great talking basketball with Coach Nick. Shouts to Prize Picks. Punch in code Combo for a first deposit match up to $100. That's right, Prize Picks. Punch in code Combo for a first deposit match up to $100. It's also a great way to support the show. I will leave a link in the show notes for that. And be on the lookout for episode 515. Combo out.